Welcome to the Metal Hammer Podcast, episode 21. I'm Mo and I'm here with Luke and Elle. How's it going, my friends? Good. It's warm. It's warm. <laughs> it is toasty. London is basically burning alive. <laughs> we can't it's, cope. It's ridiculous. I need an ice cream. Yeah, ice cream's all good. Uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah, amazing. Um, let's hope it keeps up for download next month. No, not next month. Next two month. months away. Get a bit ahead of ourselves it's there. Download next year. Yeah, God. Because only the end of June. Uh, but yeah, lots going on this month, which we will get to, this week I should say, which we will get to in just a bit. But um, yeah, first and foremost, uh, Vinnie Paul. What a shocker. Yeah. Where do you even start on um, not just the fact that it was so sudden, but we've just suddenly lost one of the single most influential and important drummers metal has ever had? It's just really sad, isn't it, with him and I'm back on... I think people obviously saw those two yeah. as so iconic. Half of Pantera. Yeah. God. Brothers. <sighs> Shocking. Um, I mean, you only need to look at everything he's put out with Pantera and the, the tributes that have come flooding in from people. People like Lars Ulrich, Dave Grohl, Zach Wild. Yeah, everyone. Pretty much. Dave Mustaine. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Um, you know, his legacy is... is one of the greatest we've ever seen in this game but I think what was what, we, what one of the first things I thought was when he passed was just what a shame it was also because he was such a genuinely brilliant man and a, just a lovely lovely guy did you ever meet him? I did um, I interviewed him I interviewed him twice actually I, I tweeted saying I interviewed him once but I forgot that I also did a very quick video thing with him for Metal Hammer a few years back but um, the only time I spent some proper time with him was when I was working at Terrorizer magazine um, and we did a thing called uh, Barbarian Wrath, which is when you, you know, just kind of one of those like nice, fun little tidbits where you just sit at a bar with a metal person and just mm. shoot the shit. Um, and we were kind of mainly supposed to talk. Uh, I think he just started Hell Yeah at that point. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you, bit of dime in there as well, as is normally the case with Vinny. And of course, try and get snippets about Pantera and mm. those kind of ever-present rumours about the reunion with Zach and all that stuff and, and everything else. Um, but we just ended up talking about barbecue for about, <laughs> literally, for about, well, I was only supposed to have 20 minutes with it, but we ended up talking for like 40, 45 minutes or something like that, because he just, he was, he was working on a book, which I guess we'll, we won't ever properly see now, which is a shame. But, um, what, about memoirs? No, like a cookbook. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, recipe book. That's he, amazing. He was he was absolutely. I know it sounds weird to, 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 to have lost the drummer of Pantera and we're talking about cooking, but this is the kind of guy he was. Like he he just loved it, and uh, he he spent about. Um, I asked him what his his kind of signature recipe was, mm. and he spent about ten minutes um, really carefully and passionately describing what was basically slicing over slicing open some jalapenos grating some cheese on and barbecuing him <laughs> it was really really sweet like it was really endearing the way he really felt passionate about like you know like you've got to slice it I might do an accent or an impression but it, like you've got to slice it a certain way and like yeah. you can't do it this way and you've got to grill it at exactly like temperature at this time and stuff um, and it was just it was just infectious everything he, he spoke about just was so enthusiastic and it, and it just made you enthusiastic about it by proxy um, and every single tribute that we've seen to him whether it's from the press or bands or whoever have all just said that he just lit up every room he walked into he always was rarely found without a black tooth grin in his hand yeah yeah um, famously had a bit of a penchant for slamming Jaeger shots as well 
Um, and yeah, he was just genuinely, genuinely a great guy. And and apart from the fact that he's got such a great legacy, musically speaking, I genuinely think metal has lost one of its funnest and most endearing characters. And he loved metal as he well. Really, That's the really thing. did. Um, Mo Rat, um, well, Hammer Rat has wrote something for the Hammer site about uh, Vinny, who he hung out with quite a lot because they both live in Vegas now or lived in Vegas. And apparently Vinny would just always be at metal shows, hanging out and just watching whatever bands came through, hanging out with bands, fans, ha- having pictures with anyone that yeah. would want one, just happy to be part of the metal scene and watch it grow and just be a part of it. And, you know, it's, it's a real shame that it is someone like that. Obviously, he was in a very influential metal band, but he still loved it, still was going to gigs and just hanging out and having a great time. And there's not many people in the you know, elder statesman realm of metal that are still like that, really. We only recently gave away the Hell Yeah CD with the magazine, we which did is a last special year, kind yeah. of roundup of all the best Hell Yeah songs that they'd chosen and put together. And he, we did an interview with him, and he, he talks about how each one came about and how excited he was. And even then, with the passion, we only needed to kind of publish a couple of lines on each song to give a bit of a context. But he really talked about those songs. He was really passionate about doing it. He was, yeah, and, and you know, uh, uh, you know. When you come out of Pantera, anything you're going to do is going to suffer by comparison mm. because that's it's fucking Pantera. But um, I remember going to see Hell Yeah last year at the Islington Academy and there was just something about that dude and what he brought to the stage and the way he kind of, like I said, that infectious enthusiasm that just leaked onto his bandmates. And everybody at the gig was having such a good time, man. Like There was so much love for him and so yeah. much love for... Just, the, just metal itself. I know it sounds really cheesy, but it really felt like the, the absolute kind of, we're here because we like big riffs and heavy drums and metal in all its forms, and it's great, and it's the best. And it was, it was wonderful. It was a really cool experience to see. Um, and yeah, but, you know, apart from that, if you, if you want to just pay tribute to it and go listen to Mouth for War or anything of the great Sudden Tranquil or any Pantera it, album... Yeah. From the, from the golden era and just, you know, what that guy brought to, to the game is just absolutely incomparable. And, um, yeah, it fucking sucks. Like I said, half of Pantera are dead. I can't yeah. believe that's happened. It's ridiculous. I was, I was saying, we don't mention it, but he was, he was only 54, which is like fucking nothing, really. Yeah. And, yeah, at the time... Yeah, of, that's nothing at all. time of recording, uh, so there's no word on what happened. There's rumours going around the internet, obviously, of what you know, they might be a heart attack or something, but no one knows for sure. But it's yeah, sudden, and, and yeah, it's it sucks, it's, it's shit, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, as far as Hammer goes, obviously, we'll be doing something to, to commemorate Vin and mm. uh, and Pantera in general in, in our issues coming up. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, just play Pantera loud and proud because they were they were something else, and it yeah, don't know how to say, but yeah, it sucks. Rest yeah. in peace, Vinnie Paul. Uh, what is going on in the world of metal today? What's well, happening, Luke? Well, it's not to say today, but lately or recently, uh, Code Orange. This snuck, week, this week, Code Orange snuck out a cheeky little EP for everyone. It's the hurt goes bloody, on, bloody good, isn't it? It is good, isn't it? It, it was obviously going to be because it's Code Orange and Code Orange. Are great. Well, you never know, do you? Stopgap EPs never, you know, could just be kind yeah. of the, the kind of thing you think is a band just trying to do something for the sake of doing it to keep a bit of momentum going you know what I mean yeah so it could just be so, yeah, you, th- you might think it's just songs that have been left over on the cutting room, cutting room floor or whatever so oh, it's just trying to you know, shit something out but it, 
looks like they've just done obviously two brand new songs one of them featuring little Corey Taylor I know just jumping in how mad is that that is ridiculous he, is, he's, he loves that band as well I mean goes without saying I, we all know that Slipknot are the fucking they're Slipknot and Code Orange uh, from the generation that will be very much uh, a big fan of everything they did but yeah. um, Corey Taylor as well is a huge Code Orange fan I, I went to Chicago Open Air last year to do an interview with him and he basically just started talking about them and didn't stop for about 10 minutes. Amazing. So it's very cool to see that's all come together and, you know, there that's are, a big deal for Corey Taylor to be appearing on a young band DP like that. There's a lot of bands from that era, like in the Slipknot era, that are massive co-owned fans, like Randy Blythe's a big yeah, fan. Yeah, Randy Blythe loves well. him. It's just all these big American heavy bands, yeah. you know, love co-owned, which I think is a great thing. They are the band. If you go to any festival or, just to be honest, even uh, any big music event that they might have come and played through in the last few months <clears throat> I can guarantee you right now they are the band everyone's talking about and that's happened at about five different festivals I've been to in the last year like everyone's talking about Code Orange and the EP's good as we said yeah it's really good <laughs> I'm, I'm not as bothered about um, the remix song mm. uh, because I'm not massively bothered about remixes of rock songs if I'm perfectly honest but I feel like the two, the two new ones, Three Knives and The Hunt, are fucking brilliant. They are so influenced by Nine Inch Nails, though. You can hear it in all the music. That's Which is cool, isn't it? To this EP. It is cool. It's just, it's so, it's so blatant. It's so there, that industrial sound. Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool to see a genuinely exciting young band just unafraid to throw every badass influence they happen to have in their back pocket at whatever they're doing. Um, I think it's quite interesting that they're just so secretly released or you know an EP because it's not the sort of thing metal bands do if you know what I mean it seems you know Kodans have been quite spoken about how they want to do things against the grain and not mm. follow structures that metal bands do and you know it might, it might be a while before we see a new album they might just do a load of EPs they might just do a load of secret stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah who knows Nine Inch Nails Luke they do EPs just like Nine Inch Nails <laughs> they do indeed we haven't even talked about Nine Inch Nails actually no we were there on Sunday night yeah, yeah segue. We did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, Nine Inch Nails at the Royal Albert Hall. How about that? What are you saying? Don't think you'll see a better live band around at the moment of anybody. There's gigs that I've been to recently that I absolutely love because the songs mean a lot to me. And so, if we're being really honest about it, I probably enjoyed those slightly more because those bands are so personal. But Nine Inch Nails are in my top five bands. I'm just saying. And also. They just do an amazing show. You just can't get a show as good as that. Nobody's doing a show as good as they get that. An amazing light show, amazing crisp sound, fantastic yeah, the back sound cast. was unbelievable. Fantastic right. back catalogue to draw on. You know, so many different records, so many different songs, so many different eras. And Trent delivers it so well. It, there just isn't a band doing a show that good and that slick and that powerful at yeah. the moment. I mean, I'm nowhere near as big a fan as Elle is and I would agree I'd struggle to think of many gigs this year so far that have topped that it was fucking unbelievable mm-hmm. they did a thing where they had um, just kind of like a dirty white uh, backing sheet uh, draped across the back of the stage like a kind of banner thing um, and they had someone 
I guess they had someone uh, shining a like rock, kind of running in between them all and shining a light onto them and like underneath yeah. them. So it had this weird kind of almost stop motion shadow effect yeah, on the back cool. to, to the extent where it actually looked like a music video, but it was happening right as you were yeah, watching. Yeah, that's it. It for co- the copy of her, which yeah, is it was, cool yeah, as well yeah. because it's such a simple idea. It mimics the lyrics because the lyrics are about shadows and copy of a copy, and that's exactly what they're doing up there. And I've seen them do that before. It, it wasn't kind of new to the Royal Albert Hall, but in the Royal Albert Hall, it did look amazing. It looked super mm. cinematic because that building is so historic and the way that it's put together is so massive and epic and just having that on there, it was like being in some kind of weird cinema experience. Yeah, I thought the stuff off the Bad Witch, well, I was going to say EP, it's technically supposed to be an album, isn't it? Mm, yeah. The Bad Witch record, Bad Witch record uh, I thought was really good. Um, God Break Down the Door is a really fast dancing one, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's like, a I very influenced saxophone with the sort yeah, of beat in the Yeah, I thought that was amazing. Yeah. That was like left field uh, yeah. or something, as in the dance group, not like out of left field. But <laughs> um, yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, I thought that the whole thing was incredible. His little cute anecdote about hanging out in London was yeah, yeah, that was, was really nice, straight. actually. It was because sweet. I think it's sort of over time, I feel like there is more and more and more of a barrier between Nine Schnells and real people I guess he would yeah. say he's become he's, like a mythical he has, yeah, figure he's so big and he doesn't do a huge amount of press and he's done all the work for the movies and he's got this kind of A-list status that he didn't have before that you do feel is quite distance almost um, and I thought it was really nice that he actually said on stage that you know the first time I left America it was to come to London he'd done Pretty Hate Machine uh, his record label said it was shit and he was you know carrying on anyway kind of thing and he said that it was good to be back and it was it's quite heartfelt about the fact that this was the first place he'd come and you know that part of his journey really that was so far away like basically 30 years ago mm. and it was cool to see that made me feel old. It's cool to see, <laughs> it was cool to see that that kind of heartfelt declaration that he didn't need to make it was quite nice yeah it was quite it was endearing wasn't it so what, yeah. the, I, didn't really know where he was going with that when he started saying it and then at the end it was like oh and everyone was like yeah London you know like <laughs> he talked about us uh, but yeah it was great um, What it's been a mad month of gigs from uh, oh I see Deftones as well was that yeah that, when was that Thursday or something yeah yeah last Thursday how was that very, at the, at the Robert Smith good. Super Show it was yeah Robert Smith's curating festival called Meltdown London's Royal Festival Hall so loads of bands have played there including Night Nails before they did the Royal Albert Hall mm-hmm. and um, I haven't seen them that good for years and I love Jeff Jones and I think they've actually been amazing the last decade I was going to say because I think they've yeah. been really the, good there were some shows in the early 2000s them. that were a bit ropey and then the last decade they've been fantastic but this show I think it probably was because it was a hand-picked bill by Robert Smith and they kind of kept looking up to a certain part of the venue and I was trying to see if Robert Smith was like lurking in the shadows or something. Oh, really? And I couldn't see him in, in there, but there was definitely like a real kind of drive to do an amazing, memorable show. And the Royal Festival Hall is two and a half thousand people, I think, and it's kind of inside this great big building and it's sort of very slick looking with these weird boxes that stick out the wall and mm. it's usually a venue that's reserved for royal performances and orchestras and that kind of thing. So I think it does feel different having a heavy band in there mm. and they're just really on it like really on top of it and Chino was doing like so much dancing and there was no photo- yeah there was no like photo pit or proper barrier so he was right down next to the crowd and it was seated but obviously no one was sitting and it was just yeah it felt quite intimate and quite like um, what's the word hungry mm. it's kind of like they're quite hungry to play that sort of show and they did Battle Axe which is amazing 
because they don't usually play that. And that's one of my favourites. What a week to be adding the What a week to be me. <laughs> awesome. Can I yeah. just say, yeah, Battle Axe, Death Train self titled, underrated. A lot of people dismiss it. That song's amazing. Hot tip so. for you right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what else is going on? There's a new Coheed and Cambria album coming out. I hope you like prog. <laughs> oh, is that a spoiler? Uh, well, I look, I've not listened to it because I've not, oh. not got it. But uh, it will be 15 tracks and almost 80 minutes long. Wow. Oh, my goodness me. And the deluxe box set edition version, obviously, will contain an 80-page illustrated novel. So because, obviously, it just, will. Just for casual fans. Then. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And it, wow. and includes a wearable mask of the main character. In the album, which is called, yeah, the album's called The Unheavenly Creatures. Like, I'd be disappointed if it didn't have a wearable mask. I'd be, I'd be, yeah, yeah. yeah, unwearable mask. Who is this, is this uh, linked to the famous long-running series that all Coheed stuff was based around? Or is it okay, where he was. Well, that's, that's it, thank you. Because yeah, okay, this one's now, because it's called Vaxis Act 1, so it might be a whole new fucking Well, because they, end, they ended the saga... And then the last record they did was sort of about middle age, wasn't it? It was right. kind of like... The colour before the sun. It was sort of about how um, Claudio's... Claudio or Claudio? Claudio, Claudio How Claudio had moved to this house with his partner and their baby. And the house had kind of been taken over, pre- from what I remember, had be- previously been taken over by people growing cannabis. It was sort of about trying to find a place to live and coming to terms with like parenthood and middle age and what he was doing next. And it was quite a grown-up record and it seemed quite far removed from some of the fantasy slash allegorical type stuff and quite honest and th- literally just what was happening in his life. So I don't know where they're going to go next, really, whether it will be a fantasy thing or whether it's mm. going to be another kind of telling it how it is record. If ever there's a band... Where the phrase just doing whatever the fuck they feel like doing applies yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, fair play. Are you fans? Are you, are you particularly? Uh, I am and I'm not in a weird way. Like, I really enjoy what they do and I've only seen the live once and I thought it was really good, but I've mm. not gone out of my way to listen to them for quite a while. I've seen them a few times. I was with you at that show at the forum and I've seen them quite a few yeah, times. I've seen them more the, times than the I thought then. So, yeah. yes. <laughs> and I think they're good live really and good. I enjoy what they do, but I. T- Hands up, holding my hands up in the air. I don't always have the attention span for sort of the long records, and so I wouldn't really sit down and listen to them. But having seen them, I kind of go, yeah, they're good. I think it's really cool what they achieved because when you think about when they first came through with, uh, oh, the song. Oh, is this suffering? No, the other one. Welcome Home. Welcome Home, home yeah. That, when that came out. That's the amazing song. Yeah, that and it's of that. like, it's, uh, it, it were, and um, Running Free as well. Um, Oh, yeah. They came out and they were like <laughs> kind of like you know rock bangers of the day, and they were getting booked on like emo tours. Like they did. Um, you should give it a name. Give it a name. Yeah. That's, a, yeah, that's yeah. what I was gonna say. They did give it a name, and they were doing. They were sharing stages with like funeral for a friend and all those kind of bands. Yeah, definitely. And you know they could have made the decision to capitalise on that and just keep kind of churning out like catchy like rock chart friendly shoots and mm. they haven't done that at all and they've got they've got bigger and bigger and bigger I think people don't realise how big that band still are they're like they're well they're doing they're also doing the roundhouse I think which in London which is about two and a half thousand yeah, people as part, as part of a tour so I'm guessing yeah. they're doing similar size venues that is not inconsiderate at all for a band who are about to drop an 80, <laughs> 80 minute album yeah fucking hell that is impressive Claudio was also the first person I ever saw play guitar behind the back of his head 
<laughs> Luke Fax. I, 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 remember, I remember they played the main stage at Download in 2006, and I was like, that's fucking cool. I remember that. I was there that year. Yeah. 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 I remember, just like, a, you couldn't really see the guitar because it was behind his yeah, head. Yeah, behind all his hair. But I'm going, that's awesome. And yeah, then Deftones came on. That was this the. Uh, awesome. Yeah, that was the Pearl Jam unit, wasn't it? No, it was Tool. Oh, did you say download? Download. Yeah, sorry, I was thinking of Reading. Yeah, download. No. Yeah, download was Tool and Guns and all that. Wow, amazing, amazing scenes indeed. Uh, also, don't forget, of course, that the current issue of Metal Hammer is out there right now. We are celebrating the guitar heroes of our world. We have exclusive panels between the likes of Lizzie Hale, Zach Wilde, Ben Bruce, and Zoltan Bathory. Tony Iommi's in there, Kirk Hammett's in there, Nita Strauss is in there. A uh, very special and exclusive interview with Darren Malaki, and we get the truth behind the system rumours that never seem to end, uh, and why he's decided to bring back Scars of Broadway right now. Uh, there's loads of stuff in there. Go check it out immediately. And, of course, if you're uh, a big Bullet for a Valentine fan, get over to Tesco. You can get yourself an exclusive Bullet for a Valentine cover. Only available right there. So go get it. It is very, very good. I promise. I promise. I promise. <laughs> we, like, we all promise. Uh, what are the good readers of Metal Hammer magazine asking us right now? Via facebook.com forward slash Metal Hammer magazine. No, Metal Hammer readers. Shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's via as well. Oh yeah, it is, isn't it? I was always correct. Uh, yeah, what are they asking us? Well, Ben Wilmot asks, "What are your expectations for Bring Me the Horizons next album, whenever it's coming out? Could you see them incorporating synthwave into their sound, as that seems one of the biggest things going on in electronic music's underground at present?" I don't think they will, because it's going on in the underground, and I know things from the underground come up into the mainstream. I just think they're going to go more down the mainstream rock route, if anything. More mainstream, less underground. But it's difficult to know. I mean, um, I think Ollie's gone through a lot of personal stuff, hasn't he, the last couple of years? The breakup of his relationship, or a new relationship, he's kind of been on Instagram with various things, and he seems to be focusing on growing his company, uh, the clothing and everything. Um, but I'm not sure... I haven't seen any much, really, about music specifically, so it's difficult to know where their heads are at without sort of getting an update on that but yeah I just think they're going to try and aim bigger and bigger and bigger so I think the electronics are definitely still going to be front and centre mm-hmm. but I'd say they're going to be more mainstream style electronics that we're used to kind of seeing in the charts rather than the sort of synth mm-hmm. wave that's bubbling under the surface because that's a bit more, especially with bands like Carpenter Brute and Ghost it's a bit more gnarly what they're doing and I think Bring Me are going to go a bit more epic Well Merlin you said Recently, like on this podcast, you reckon they might go heavier than the last album. Yeah, well, yeah, that was just pure projection. Oh yeah, yeah, completely. But I just think it would be, it would be interesting to see if they decide to just go fuck it and just go. I, I don't think they're ever going to get a full on metal album again. But it wouldn't surprise me too much if they decide to put in a couple of heavier songs again, just to kind of go. By the way, this is what we can do. I, I don't um, think it could have escaped Ollie and. Co's uh, like awareness that um, the Code Orange is suddenly the most talked about band. Not that they're going to suddenly make a Code Orange record, but they're going to go heavy music's cool again. Yeah, what, yeah. What's, yeah everyone's talking about. Yeah, it's band. true. I mean, if you look at the the scene that that's the spirit came into, um, there was still a lot of great music happening at that point. But I think there's definitely it feels like a much healthier amount of young exciting heavy bands again and you know everyone uh, I'm not saying Judas Priest to what <laughs> Bring Me Their Eyes are going to do but everyone from Judas Priest right down to like 
walls in the throne room to Venom prison to like you said Code Orange like the the metal scene is firing on all cylinders across the board at the moment and I think yeah it'll be interesting to see if, if they go for that or as Elle said if they just decide they, they just want to keep on reaching for the the more mainstream uh, audience which you know to their credit they've done more and more successfully with each album so. yeah, yeah they've moved up yeah, they did the O2 at the end of the last album cycle which yeah it's not a small place to play. No, it's not at all. I think, I think what's cool, to be fair, you know, I wasn't mad keen on That's the Spirit. I was. Sempert- yeah, you were, weren't you? <laughs> Sempaterno was a classic. Mm. Um, but, again, no, you can't, no one can honestly say they can predict what Premium Horizon are going to do next. And that's a cool position to be in when you're a band that big. What do we think about people, how they feel about them at the moment? Because... Obviously, there's been a lot of hate from metal for bringing the horizon in the past, and that's the spirit. Probably didn't do a lot to win some of those people around. Although Sam Paternal did. I think it was weird. Sam Paternal, I think some people weren't actually bringing me over all right, and that's the spirit. Kind of when you know people were sort of going, if you like Sam Paternal, he'd probably like this. But there is still a bit of a backlash from people who just can't get over that original yeah. image problem. I, I guess. Don't know, really. I guess like I just don't know why anyone would still have the energy to get angry about Bringing the Horizon in 2018. Yeah. Really. I mean, it's... Yeah, they were the whipping boy about 12 years ago. Yeah. Like, it's it just doesn't kind of matter like, anymore. If it, you know, they're always going to be relevant to, you know, magazines like us and our scene because of where they've come from and who they are and, and what they do. Um, if you don't... Yeah, I don't know, really. <laughs> I feel exhausted just about the idea about talking about Bring Me the Horizon haters. No, you know what I mean? it's just it's because so like... it always comes up, that's all. Like, there's still always yeah. good comments. And I know what you mean, it's exhausting because you just think, well, if you don't like it, just leave it alone. And if you do, then good for you. Whatever. Which is probably why they might just go for the mainstream. It's like, we don't like us, fine, see you later. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Our guess is actually as good as yours. <laughs> Tell us what you think. Yeah, exactly. Do tell us what you think. Facebook.com forward slash Matt Hammer Readers. Got it right that time. Uh, Jimmy D asks, Why do Maiden, I back this, why do Maiden keep ignoring the Somewhere in Time album live? I'm dying to hear some of those tracks. So disappointed they've not dropped a couple into the Lexi of the Beast set. Well, firstly, I totally get that, and I'll get to this in a minute. Um, yeah, it is fair to say they don't seem to take a lot of Somewhere in Time, uh, the, the Somewhere in Time album. That said, I do genuinely believe, especially having seen it live, that the Legacy of the Beast set is the best set list they have ever done. Um, and I'm a, I am saddened at the idea of a Maiden fan seeing that and, and being a little bit disappointed by it. It's, you know, I think it's the best thing they've ever put together in the live format. Um, but that is true. They don't seem to really dig a lot out of somewhere in time. They play um, Wasted Years every so often. They dust that off and they did um, Heaven Can Wait for a few years uh, mostly around the Somewhere Back in Time tour they brought that back but yeah uh, I would love to see that I love the title track um, I like to see it Madness um, they've never ever played Alexander the Great which is something I've mm. actually interviewed the members of a few times it's one of those tracks that I think Maiden fans en masse would love to see get dusted off it's an epic proggy one that one isn't it? it is yeah it is um, so yeah it's, it'd, be, it'd be one of those where if they put that in they'd probably have to kill off a couple of shorter tracks and all that kind yeah. of thing but it's a classic all the same so yeah it's a fair point I don't know why they keep ignoring that album I just think it's one of those things where they've got so much to cram in now um, but like I said they did they did play Wasted Years a bit they did play Heaven Can Wait and now you look at what the set list they're doing now they're reaching into kind of Blaze era stuff instead and I, personally I'm cool with that I do not have a complaint about the set lists 
they're putting out there right now. And I guarantee you won't either when you see it, people. Oh, <laughs> we've covered this. I won't get into that again. Daniel Sabata asks, Avenged Sevenfold and Slipknot have new albums coming out next year. Ooh. Who do you think will have a better album? Uh, yeah. Uh, is this like one of those things where it's like comparing something with something else that's not like it? What, what do people say? What's the phrase? Like comparing apples, apples and oranges. oranges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, well, better by their standards then. Okay. In my opinion, if we're framing this, Avenged Sevenfold's last album was better than either of the last two Slipknot albums. I don't know how that's going to work. Oh, no. Impossible. No, Merlin, you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah, you are. I think the stage is better than All Hope Is Gone, and I think it's better than The Great Chapter. What? You're insane. No. Nope. You're mad. The, nope. st- the stage is better than Hail to the King. Should we stage, That's as far as I'll, should we stage I'll a revolution here that you can just unseat Merlin? Yeah. yeah. No! Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Let's not do that. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, I, I'm a bigger Slipknot fan than I am a Ben Stonefold fan. Um, I won't go into every single album comparatively, but I, I, I think the stage was the best thing Avengers have done since City of Evil and I think yep. it's on a par with that album but like, there's not a bad track on it I think The Grey Chapter was a really good album and I actually like The Grey Chapter more than All Hope Is Gone which I know is probably not what a lot of people would agree with I feel like it was a bit jumbled and it didn't flow very well mm. and All Hope Is Gone I felt was an alright album with brilliant singles over to you I've not um, answered the question at all. You haven't answered the question either. What I'm, what I'm getting at is, I feel like Avenged Sevenfold have reached a peak of their powers again, whereas I feel like Slipknot, it's a bit more, you know, I don't know where to stand with what their next album should sound like. Well, it's like. unknown, isn't it? Well, because the last one was coming off the back of Paul dying and, you know, the two members who didn't have identities at the time... And it was all just a bit of a, what are they going to do? I think they, I think they know as well that the album was just something they had to get out of their system and just work through because it was you know, what it was about and what it you know, had to be. And Corey said last week, I think, that the new album is going to be Iowa levels of heavy. So that's good. That's really good. That makes it better yeah. than the next Avenged album, Merlin. Uh, but no, I, I agree. The stage is great. The stage is one of my favourite, um, favourite things Avengers have done. But I, but I will fight for all hope is gone. I fucking love that. I'm record sorry, the but there's way more than the singles on there, Merlin. What about Gehenna? Yeah, that's a, that's good a great tune. That's a good song. And Gematria. Gematria was good. Yeah, that's pretty good as well. All right, I mean, just to be clear, to be clear, I'm comparing three <laughs> very good albums there. Like they're all great. I just think. I don't know. I think maybe it's because maybe it's because after Hail to the King and um, <coughs> Nightmare, I started to feel like I wasn't too fussed about what Avengers were doing anymore. And they came out with a stage, and it was like, "Holy shit, this is mad!" So maybe my expectations got blown away. Yep. Whereas with Slipknot, when you put out two albums or three albums as good as that first initial run, you are setting the bar mighty high. I think Slipknot have got the potential to do a better album than the last one and anything Avengers have done. Just because there's always rumours it's going to be the last one. There's always rumours it's going to be the heaviest thing they've done in years. And I think they just want to prove a point that they that, it's, that they are still the fucking That's kind of what I'm getting at, really. Ever. I think Slipknot have more... This sounds ridiculous, because Slipknot are absolutely a bigger band than Avenged in 2018. But I think, creatively speaking, I feel like Slipknot have more to prove right mm. now, in my opinion. I think have more to prove, and I think they've got more... Talents probably sound a bit harsh to Avenged, but I think there's more... that They, they can do it 
that better than the Benj can do it, I think, in terms mm-hmm. of making a good metal album. They've been working on this for a really long time as well, like years. They've been working on this because Clown said a few times, didn't he, that he was just literally writing stuff in mm. his house and there's been various times where members have said I'm off to so-and-so's house to rehearse or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I agree with your point that the stage was definitely the most accomplished Avenged record and when we spoke to them about it, it was clear they'd put a lot of actual structured thought into where they were going and the concepts and the sound and their sort of battle plan for it. It was almost quite like, uh, not clinical, but just very well thought out strategy, really. Whereas with Slipknot, like you said, Luke, they kind of had to put something out after Paul Gray died and they did it and they sort of pulled it together, but it was very much new ground. Whereas this one, I think they probably have had a lot more time to kind of sort out what they're going to do, really. The stage, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. The stage as well was obviously an experiment for Avenged and it paid off. Like, it, it was a good album. They were, was yeah. like, hey, we're do a prog thing. They could experiment next time and it could be a massive yeah. shit year. Because I can't imagine they're going to make the stage again. There's no point in that. Yeah. And they won't make Hell to the King again. So I feel like Avenged are more, uh, I don't want to say unpredictable, but I, you know, when you look at what their last three albums have been like, Nightmare was kind of like a slightly more morbid extension of the self-titled album. Mm. Then Hell to the King, they just went back to basics, 4-4 four, four metal, no fucking around. Then they went and did like a really progressive, meandering, crazy concept album. I don't know what to expect from Avengers. No, they just said that about Bring Me as well. Like I don't know what they'll do next, and mm. that I find that really exciting. With Slipknot, I kind of feel like you're either hoping for something super heavy, or you're gonna get a not diluted, but you're gonna get a more polished version of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I think I think there's a gauntlet thrown down for Slipknot, and I think it, like you said, Luke, if they pick that up it's going to be spectacular it's not I mean whatever happens I don't think either of them are going to put out a dud no put that that's just not it's not they're not capable of let's see that. what happens now that I've said that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah can't, can't see it I being anything other than a lovely time works. you what? <laughs> don't think that's how the world works I don't think you've cursed anything no just being superstitious but yeah pretty confident that two of metal's greatest modern bands will, will deliver the goods <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, Cole Gable who asks quite a lot of questions Cole so good to hear from you again Uh, it says in the magazine you guys always ask an artist what is the rarest piece of merch they own that's in the metal test it is in the metal test on the back page so I'd love to know what is the rarest piece of merch that each of you own Uh, I'm going to own this Uh, (laughs) (laughs) that made me sound like a cunt there's a reason I just said that Um, uh, Black Sabbath last year put out uh, the 10-year war box set, which had one of the best box sets ever mm. conceived, pretty much. The, the, the original classic run of Aussie albums on gorgeous coloured splattered discs with um, posters and rare artwork and just the absolute nuts. It was gorgeous. And that, that was only to a run of a couple of thousand or something like that, I think. Yeah, we did that, yeah. Um, but because we did a special, uh, well, we gave Black Sabbath to Golden God last year, of course, mm. and Tony Iommi came down to pick that up. Um, and because of that, we worked with Sabbath to do a much more limited run um, where it was exactly the same thing, but it, it was like gold-covered top thing uh, that we did. And I managed to get one of those because we kind of went with them to do it. And there's only 50 of those in the world. So I, that's yeah, pretty cool. That's quite good. I got, <laughs> I got the that's non-gold fine. one. Um, which, but, is still which is still fucking brilliant and it sits pride of place in my house so yeah that's, that was 
that was pretty cool. That's my rarest. I don't really have much by way of merch other than like shirts and stuff. I mean, like I've got a white zombie vinyl box set that's fucking cool. Uh, the it came from NYC one that's just yeah full of rare artwork and vinyl and stuff, and it's just amazing. Uh, I've got a Slipknot set list. That's oh, that's cool. That's, that's cool. cool. That, I mean, that's literally rare. Yeah, that's, from Soundwave Festival. That's uh, awesome. Which is nice. I uh, say so someone who works with the band came up and found me afterwards because they knew I was, I was a big fan and said, you'd like this. That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, yes, I would like this. Wow, that's cool. Uh, and so yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't really have anything by yeah, super, super rare. I mean, it's, I've got signed stuff. I've got signed Sting figure that I got, <laughs> got signed. The wrestler, not the yeah. leader of the police. <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool, though, if you'd said a Sting. No, that's fine, <laughs> Yeah, I've got, a sign, I've got some science stuff. Uh, more wrestling science stuff than metal science. So I've never been bothered about autographs, really. Like, if, I see, <laughs> if I see someone famous, I'll, I'll try and you know, get a photo. But I've never thought, can you sign this for me? Well, it was a. I, I went with this thing thing. I went to a talk he was doing um, with Inside the Ropes, and uh, you, you could buy a ticket to meet him and get a photo mm. and get something signed. And it's like an actual toy. So I wouldn't. I mean, I do have some things that I've got signed, but I don't really... It depends what it is. Got your maiden cover? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, I forgot about that. I haven't put it up yet, that's why. Uh, yeah, I've got my, um, the maiden cover that I did two years ago. Uh, I've got that signed by the band. That was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, Corey signed my Stone Sour cover feature from last year. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Help? Nothing. <laughs> Come on. No, I have a Just limited. Just made us sound like a couple of twats now. I don't. I'm not special enough to have special things. I've got a limited edition Edema cassette tape. <laughs> yes. Awesome. <laughs> I've got an autograph. The best Davis brother. I've got an autograph from when I was a teenager and went to Warp Tour in the early 2000s in America because I was doing a, like a work abroad summer thing at Yellowstone Park and I went to a warp tour not far from there and My Chemical Romance were just coming out and I'd seen them in Manchester and I actually really didn't like them I thought they were awful but <laughs> uh, sorry Good. sorry fans I just wasn't a fan of them it wasn't for me and I saw them sitting alone at the signing table so I went over and told them that I'd seen them and sort of lied and said I enjoyed them you charlatan <laughs> I sort of felt bad because they were all alone <laughs> And like no one had heard of them or anything, um, and they signed an autograph to me with my name on it, which is still wow. out like last Christmas, which I feel bad about because I I feel like a fan should really like have something like yeah. that. Yeah, that shit happens. That is rare. So I have a Mike Epperman's autograph, pers- a personalised one for someone who doesn't like them. It's definitely I don't think there's many people in the world that has what I like. It's sort of probably next to my Dima cassette in a box. Oh. And, but apart from that, I just have stuff that, um, it, it isn't particularly rare, but just a few special editions like um, Catatonia edition of, uh, what is it, like a special The Great Cold Distance edition, it's I've got the Alice in Chains music bank, just a few other bits oh, and pieces cool. like that, so all stuff that you can buy probably still now if you were to look for it. But no, I don't have anything really special, and now you guys have just made me feel bad. Oh, sorry. We've, I mean, got no, we've got no money now. Like I said, <laughs> the majority of my stuff is wrestling shit. I don't think you'd be quite as interested in that. You can have, I mean, if you really want my Shawn Michaels, like, Bret Hart poster that I, like, <laughs> I paid, like, 200 quid to queue up for and get signed. Then, no, you know. I'm okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I probably need to work on it. I probably need to, uh, yeah. Or pay a lot of money, like I have a lot of the time, yeah. which is, you know. 
millennials, eh? Yeah, well, I don't have any now. So I can't afford a life. Oh dear. Samuel Vorstar, oh fucking hell. Samuel Vorstar asks if you had to use a metal band's name to describe your last poo, which band would you go for? Drowning pool. <laughs> How long did you think of that? How long did you spend say. thinking of that? Oh my god. I've been thinking a while. Um, but I'm going to go literal. I'm going to go with down. <laughs> That's really good. That is really good. What's no band called the Browning? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um, Disturbed. <laughs> oh god. Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much any new metal band. Corn. Corn. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it there. Mushroom head. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is the worst question ever. Oh, the best. Corn. No, no, leave it there. Stop it. Um, <laughs> God almighty, thanks for that. We will see you next week. Um, uh, I'm going to see Queens of the Stone Age on Saturday. Ooh, that should be fun. You. I haven't actually seen that band for a few years now, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how many classic era songs they've played. What well, I think classic era. Yeah, I've not seen them since... Rated R and Songs for the Death, basically. They did download, like, four years ago, didn't they? Yeah. I've yeah. seen them in Chicago last year, and they dropped quite a few hits, and I was kind oh, of cool. surprised... By how many there were actually? Because you kind of know they've got some. That was but... Run the Jewels was supporting them as well. Yeah, right? yeah. Sweet. It was good. Can't wait for a bit of Run the Jewels. Yeah, Iggy Pop as well on the Hives. Yeah, Iggy Pop. Yeah, the Hives. I know. Brody Dow should be good. That'd be cool. Obviously, being that guy, but she plays a few distinct songs. Yeah, So yeah, I will. I will review that. I'm going to Queen. Cool. It's not metal, but I'm going to see Queen on Sunday. Badass. It'll be good. You got Queen to the Stone Age? I've just got Queen. Good. Be good. Are you going to anything at Eleanor? No, I've been to so many gigs. I went to Placebo, was it last week or the weekend before? I've literally lost all sense of time now. Eleanor's party time. Oh, it has. It's literally all my favourite bands played in the space of two weeks. And I was meant to see Pearl Jam on my birthday, but they cancelled because of poor Eddie Vedder's voice. Have they rescheduled that? They They have, have, yeah. yeah. So, hopefully... You're going again. Still guaranteed <laughs> yeah. Them. But yeah, literally, on my birthday was literally my dream. But I have been so spoiled with you know Nine Inch Nails and Deftones and all these other amazing bands I've seen. It's literally like I've had my own. Festival. You've earned a weekend off. I'll um, be sad. There's nothing going on now. <laughs> uh, we'll be reviewing those gigs, and there'll be all the rest of the news and gossip and heavy fucking metal from the world at large. Don't forget to pick up the latest issue. Guitar Hero Special is out right now and that uh, aforementioned Bullet for My Valentine Tesco exclusive. And of course, rate and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Acast. Acast? Acast. 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 See you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.